Welcome to the Transparency Project on Inside Lens Network, with programming dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved homicides and suspicious deaths. If you have a question or comment for today's guest, please call in at 646-478-0982. That's 646-478-0982. My name is Denny Griffin, and my co-host is Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com. Hi, Delilah. Hi, Denny. Um, I just want to take just a quick second to give a plug for all of the shows on the Inside Lens Network. Um, We have been around for a long, long time. We have about 700 episodes to binge to. Um, Shows like this one, The Transparency Project, uh, Crime Wire, Shattered Lives with host Donna Gore, and myself, Imagine Publicity on the Air. Um, we do all kinds of different programming. Most are ori- issue-oriented, author interviews. Um, we highlight cases. And I just want to say that some of the cases on the podcast are high- highlighted are criminal cases, and some are still open investigations. Well, our intent is to allow families or family members to present information for consideration by our listeners. Our podcasts and hosts in no way represent our guests. We don't claim to solve cases, nor do we wish to jeopardize any open investigations. Our guests present their own information, and while we may suggest or or help with assistance or resources, we are not liable for whatever action they take in the future. So with all the legal beagle stuff out of the way... <laughs> Um, we have exactly one of those cases to present today, and I'll turn it back over to you, Denny. Thanks, Dee. Um, 14-year-old high school freshman Brett Whitner of Covington, Louisiana, was brought into the St. Tammany Parish Hospital the morning of February 25, 2012, with a gunshot wound an inch or so behind his right ear. The pellet had fragmented, and bits of it made their way toward the left side of his head, causing extensive damage to his brain, according to medical records. He died later that same day. The police determined that Brett had accidentally shot himself while at a friend's house. A grand jury subsequently examined the case and declined to indict anyone. However, Brett's parents don't agree with that finding and are continuing to look for avenues that will lead to a different outcome. Brett's mother, Donna Whitner, is with us to discuss the case and where it will go from here. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, let's start off, Donna, about giving us some background, if you would, on Brett. Uh, what kind of kid was he? What were his plans for the future? And, and that sort of thing. Brett was a very fun-loving child, Um he loved his friends. He loved his family. Um, he liked to play jokes on people. Um, he helped his friends. Uh, one of his uh, schoolmates was going to commit suicide, and he went and told on her and saved her life. And she still thinks to this day that um, you know that Brett did intercede and save her life. Um, he was just a um, very smart kid. He was above average in intelligence, and um, we all kind of looked up to him because 
he was different from everybody else because he was so smart. And it hurts the worst. That that's what they hurt first with his brain. Uh, what what was he aspiring to do when he got out of school? Was did he have a the college he was looking at, or any specific plans he was? He was, he was more of an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just loved to do everything. Um, he uh, drew and sold his artwork. Um, I guess he kind of liked art. So I guess he would have kind of went into that field. His main goal was girls. <laughs> <laughs> that was, if you want to know yes. the truth, his main girl was my main goal was getting girls. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was stayed, successful at it? Oh, yeah. He stayed on the phone with them, and uh, they would sing to him. And <laughs> oh, <man>. He was <laughs> just a, a fun-loving kid and very, very smart. Very now, smart. Did he have a large circle of friends? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I have on his headstone uh, at the bottom, if you ever met me, you will never forget me. Because he's the type of person, you know, once you meet Brett, you'll you'll never forget him. He's He was a one of a kind. God broke the mold when he made Brett. <laughs> uh, now, what was uh, going on or what, was, what transpired on, uh, let, let's say, February twenty fourth and over the twenty fifth. What what was going on that day with uh, with Brett? Okay, so uh, Brett and I went and had breakfast that morning, and uh, we were on our way back home. Or actually, it was in the afternoon, and uh, we were going back home. And uh, he has some friends that live right out of our subdivision and another subdivision, and he said, "Mom." Let me out here. I'm going to go see, um, I forget the friend's name. I'm going to go see my friend. And I said, okay. So I let him out, and he went over there. And um, I'm not sure how, but he left from there and went to another friend's house, and he called me from that friend's house. And he said, Mom, I'm over at Troy's house, and... um, I'd like to know if I could spend the night. And I kind of hem and hawed about it because uh, I have, I've only let him stay at that boy's house one time, but I've let that other boy stay at my house a bunch of times. I didn't really trust the boy. So I told Brett, yes, you can stay the night. So they went to the movies that night. And two adults who I do not even know brought their daughter to the movies, and Brett knew them. And like a bunch of kids got together at the movies. You know, they ran into each other, and it was maybe it was a uh, eight children all together, and two adults. The little girl asked her mom and stepdad. Actually, it's the mom's boyfriend. If all those kids could go to their house and spend the night for a boy-girl sleepover. And she said, yes, but y'all have to call your parents. Well, Donna Whitner never got a phone call. 
and I would never take someone's child without actually speaking to the parent myself. I'm not just going to take some child's word, word for it. Yeah, I called my parents if that's what took place. I don't know. I wasn't there. Anyway, they load 10 people in one car with six seat belts and drive to another county. We have parishes here. They drove to another parish. Um, the adults went to bed. They sat around midnight and left all the teenage kids to supervise themselves. They had two guns sitting by their back door. Um, the little boy that I let my son go spend the night with has taken, Brett has taken his girlfriends before. This would be like the third girlfriend Brett has taken from him. So anyway, this little boy said he was asleep. And through testimony, uh, the kids said that three of them went back into the house. There was a camper next to the house where the girls were supposed to stay and the boys were going to stay inside the house. So, of course, the boys were out at the camper by the girls, and uh, three of them, including Brett, walked back into the house. Uh, During the testimony given, this one kid said that Brett was making out with this other boy's girlfriend, that he was kissing her, blah, 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 and that he went to go wake up her boyfriend and tell him that Brett was kissing his girlfriend. Well, next thing you know, that kid said he's asleep. So the one boy who was supposed to go wake up the other boy said that he picked up a gun and Brett picked up a gun. There was two guns by the back door. And they were pointing, well, the kid said the only person pointing the gun was the other kid, not my son. Two kids were standing in the room when Brett was shot, but neither one of them saw what happened. One girl said she turned her head, and the other boy said that he put his gun down and walked away, and that they heard a noise, and the little boy said he turned around and Brett fell to the ground, and this little piece of something hit him on the foot. So what he said is that this lever-action rifle ejected a bullet when Brett shot himself, which we, you know, I don't know much about guns, but I do know that a lever-action rifle does not eject a bullet when shot. You have to manually eject it. But he said this bullet flew out when Brett shot himself and hit him in the foot. He picked up the bullet and threw it at Brett's head and told him to get up and stop playing. And then he said he saw the blood, and he knew he wasn't playing. So he went and woke up the little girl that lived there, and that they went and woke up the parents. But if you look at the adult's testimony, the woman there, April, she said they came banging on my door saying, Miss April, Miss April, Dakota shot him, Dakota shot him. Uh, Not Dakota, uh, Brett shot himself. Number one, her daughter wouldn't be saying, Miss April, Miss April, and Dakota wouldn't be saying, Dakota shot him, Dakota shot him. So I really don't know who went and actually woke her up. I believe it was the boy that said he was asleep. 
Uh, Donna, let me just uh, stop you there for a second. I want to make sure I've got this down right. Um, so on the 24th of February, um, Brett asked if he could stay at a, <coughs> excuse me, a friend's house. Yes. You didn't particularly care for this boy. You said you didn't really trust him. Uh, can you? Uh, what was the reason? What was there about him that you didn't trust him? Um. Well, I know that his mom works, and I wasn't sure if there was going to be supervision, number one. But uh, he told me that the boyfriend was there, and he even told the uh, his name is Todd. He said, say, hey, Todd, so Mama will know you're here. And I heard Todd say, hey, Todd, and that's how he is, so I knew that there was supervision. This other little boy also took medication for his behavior. When when you say little boy, are you, what what age are you? Are we talking uh, about? Back then, they were. He was fifteen, and Brett was fourteen. They're all okay, adults. Okay, so he was a, he was a year older than your son. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you gave your permission because you understood. Or you confirmed actually from Todd that there was going to be adult supervision. Um, right. But they didn't. Britt didn't end up in that location because they went to the movies and then these other people showed up and they ended up with eight eight kids, uh, eight teenagers, uh, and they decided to go to these to the house of these other people. Correct. Uh, and uh, and have a boy sleep over with teenagers. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you never received a call, although this April woman supposedly told all the kids that they had to call their parents. Uh, you did not receive a call letting you know that, that Britt wanted to go to another location no, uh, for I did the sleepover. Not. No, I okay. did not. And then I found out that uh, she didn't speak to any other parents at all. So the thing about you think that was added after the fact about getting permission or no? I have no idea. Okay, but as far as you know, she didn't. Uh, none of the parents got phone calls. No, that's in different testimonies that other children did not have permission to be there either. Okay, so the adults, the adult uh, part of the group. Uh, they were adults, but how old uh, were they in their twenties? Probably thirties. Okay. Uh, did did you know these two? The, no, I do the not. Adults? Not at okay. all. Never heard of them. But I did so, find out later on that he's a reserve deputy for Washington Parish Sheriff's Office. Okay, is that where the shooting that actually took yeah. place? That was Tammany Parish. Washington? It, it happened in Washington Parish. Okay. Um, and that's who handled the investigation. And he was allowed to stay at the crime scene. He said he did not know the police, but they allowed him to stay there. They took crime scene photos, and they didn't ask him any questions. This was the stepfather or boy, boyfriend? Yes, yes. The homeowner. The reserve deputy. Okay. Reserve deputy. Um, so it was at his home or shared home that the incident took place. Yes. And he's also a school bus driver. Did, 
did you get any report uh, or any testimony that there was any alcohol involved? Was there drugs involved? Uh, one child, uh, the girls were smoking cigarettes, and one of the boys did find alcohol and drink there. So, yes, they were negligent on that, too. Uh, as far as you know, the only only one one of the kids was was drinking. Right, my son tested negative for all alcohol and drugs. Okay, good. Uh, now the you said that uh, Brett had taken uh, three girlfriends or three girls away from one of the boys, and that was the boy he was originally going to spend the night with. Yes. Okay, and. Did you get any uh, idea through testimony of what time uh, the actual shot took place, where, where Brett was actually shot? What time of the morning did that occur? Yes. Four people verified that he was shot around 6 a.m. The 911 call did not go out until 6.36. They waited 36 minutes before they called for help for my son. And in order for someone to survive a headshot, the best thing for them is to get immediate care. It appears they were up all night. Oh you, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Donna, uh, was there? Excuse me. Was there any reason given for why the why they waited thirty minutes? No, uh, they didn't know. They all assumed, I guess, that they called at 6 a.m. and not at 6.36. Even the homeowner verified that he was shot at 6 a.m. They had to stage the crime scene and get their stories straight before 911 showed up. And the EMS driver told me that was the most eeriest scene he had ever been to. He said, here, ten ki- or eight kids are sitting in a room... Your son's laying on the floor moaning and uh, got blood running out his head, and he said not one person was crying, not one person was upset. He said it was like someone had came in and took total control of the situation. He said they were all sitting in one room and not showing any emotion. And the police said they got there and they separated everybody, and they were not separated. They were all sitting in a room. And I even have the 911 call. Nobody's crying. Nobody's upset. You even hear the children. Uh, she asked the kids, what, what's his name? And she went, oh, Brett, Brett Whitner. Like, you know, no big deal. Yeah, other than the the boy who uh, Brett was originally going to spend the night with, did you know any of you ever met any of these other kids before? Um, yes, one of them. And he went to school um, with most of them. Okay, so they, according to at least one version of what happened, they were out at the, uh, some of three of the boys were out at the camper. Well, and two then, of them. Uh, the one boy two uh, of- who I believe shot Brett said he was sleeping, so he supposedly wasn't in the trailer. Now, he's this Dakota person? No, that's Troy. Is that Troy? Okay. 
Yeah, Troy uh, is, is Brett's friend. Dakota is okay. Troy's friend, and he was jealous of Brett being Troy's friend. Okay. So there there may have been some animosity there, jealousy? Oh, yes. Yep. Had they ever had any issues in the past, like fights at school or anything, or any type of uh, encounters of that nature? Um, I went through Brett's Facebook and read messages that they had sent back to each other. And, like, if Troy got a new girlfriend, Brett would say, who is it? And he would say, I'm not going to tell you because you'll be trying to steal her next. And Brett's like, no, I'm not going to steal her, dude. You know, tell me who it is. So... They were friends, but, you know, nobody likes your, your girlfriend getting taken away. So uh, when did when did you get the call? When were you informed? I was informed about 8.36, two hours later. And who told you? They sent a, um, a parish deputy here to my house from St. Tammany, from where I live. And- Okay, and and at that point, had uh, Brett already passed, or was he still alive? Brett was still alive. Um, So the officer knocks on our door around 8.30 that morning and tells us that our son was shot in the head and that uh, he was in Washington Parish and that they're going to fly him, I mean, that they're going to take him to University Hospital in New Orleans. So I drop to my knees. I start praying and begging God to save my son's life. I get our clothes on. And on our way, we get another phone call, and they tell us that Brett is going into cardiac arrest, and they're going to divert him to the hospital where we live over here by us to meet him at that hospital. So we go to that hospital. And that's where they run the CAT scan and all that. And that's where the neurologist tells us that our son is brain dead and that all the gray matter is everywhere. And he showed us the bullet path and all that and that there was no bouncing around when it went in, that it just went straight through. So... The hospital tells us that they're not set up for long-term life support, so they're going to fly him to University Hospital where they're more set up for that. How how far was it to uh, New Orleans? Um, It's about 45 minutes away. Okay, so uh, the original... Intent was to take him there, and then because he his condition got worse, they went to the Tammany. Uh, right, they diverted him there and got him uh, got his heart stable again, so they could fly him over there. Brett did not die on the twenty fifth. We donated Brett's organs because we had to trump evil with good, and Brett did not get taken off life support until that Monday, two days later. Okay, so he was technically alive, but brain dead. Uh, but brain dead. Yeah, okay. but his body was still alive for two more days. Now, 
so you didn't actually go to the crime scene. You 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 went to the hospital. Exactly. And then you had to make the make these decisions. Um, yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about what you learned since the 25th and 26th. Uh, first of all, I'm wondering from the people you've spoken with or any testimony that's that's been given, were the parents of these other kids called after the shooting? Did, did, or I'm just yes, wondering because, about when they were interviewed. Yes, and this is the odd thing I don't understand. The female adult sat in on every testimony. The parents uh, when you said, say test- yes, yes uh, y'all can speak to the police without my permission, and they let April sit in every testimony, except for one child. She called her parents and her grandpa, and she was the little girl that was in the room when Brett was shot, who is also, well, I just- believe, kin to the sheriff. Okay, so she may have been relative of the sheriff, Yes. And the adult male was a reserve deputy. Yep. Okay. Um, and the little boy that I believe shot Brett, those are his friend's house. You know, they know him. He's been knowing their family for a long time. So they're and gonna that's cover. Troy. Yes, that's Troy. Uh when you when we're talking testimony, uh, we're not talking about a courtroom, right? We're talking about the police interviews. Um, when we filed a law, uh, wrongful death lawsuit against the homeowners, the DA filed to quash the file, so we would not have any evidence to go against the homeowners. What does the DA have to do with a civil trial between two people? Nothing. But yet he's going to go file to have the file quashed so I can't have any records of my shooting death of my son. We went to court and we won. So I got the DA's file. I have the 911 call. I have his autopsy. I have everybody's testimony. I have the police report. The only thing I don't have is the grand jury. And I sure would like to know what was presented because if they presented anything that I have, it clearly shows Brett did not shoot himself. Beside the obvious yep. that it's impossible to shoot yourself in the back of the head with a twenty two rifle. Yeah, did the autopsy indicate how that was done? Was, did they say how close it appeared the the, uh, the barrel the was close, to the, yeah. the head? It said con- contact, gunshot wound to the head. And it was the back of the head? Yes, sir. How and long How long were Brett's arms? Um, I have the measurements. Um, all he did was he took measurements of the gun and he took measurements of Brett's arm. But he never put it into motion in that angle, you know, how can you get that angle? You can't hold the gun and get it in that angle. There's just no way. I believe my son was held down and shot execution style. That would make Um, a lot of sense on how he was shot. 
the girl that was in the room, was she the girl that Brett was supposedly kissing, or was she a different yes. girl? Yes. She's, so her, Dakota guy, uh-huh. and Brett, and possibly Troy... Were all in that room. They, they would. They would have been the the people you think may have been, or you know, some of them were there. Yes, Troy I'm is supposedly sleeping at the time. Yes. I begged and him this, to come to the hospital and test my son for gunshot residue, and they would not do it. Well, you know, I uh, I'm having a little trouble wrapping my head around this because it, things happen here that don't seem like like they were very good procedures, let me put it that way, uh, exactly. that were being but followed. But they're going to consider it, oh, it was just sloppy police work. No, it was not sloppy. It was negligent. And the reason why my son's murder was covered up was to cover up official conduct because they didn't do the right thing. Uh since then, have you had contact with these with these kids or the adults there? Um, I did. Uh, the little girl that lived there contacted me on Facebook and wanted to tell me she was sorry. Blah blah blah. And she how long after? Wanna, uh, how long about a month or two, maybe. Okay. And since I then, recorded nothing, it. Um. You said you filed a wrongful death suit. What happened there? Where where is that at? Okay, so my first attorney um, that did go to court with us and we won the quash hearing, I found out later on that he went to law school with um, one of the ADAs, assistant district attorneys. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, when I got the records from the DA it was everything I had given my attorney he had even given the DA my handwritten notes <laughs> so I fired him and I got another attorney and he actually did some depositions for me he was the first one to deposition the homeowner even the cops didn't depot him but he did depositions because the homeowners does not have a homeowner's policy, there's no money to be gotten. So mm-hmm. that attorney just let the case go stagnant. He was just, he just let it go. He lost interest when there was no money, huh? Exactly. But he, you know, never gave me anything. You know, he just left me out to dry. So, so on the day before, some, pardon? I was going to say he did some depots, but you don't have them? He didn't give them to no, you? No, I have them. No, he sent them okay, to me. Okay, you got those. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I gave him a little test. Um, I couldn't find one of the depots on my computer, so I called him and asked him if he could resend it to me, and he never would. But I found it, again, in another folder on my computer, so I didn't need him after all. But to me, <laughs> he failed the test when he wouldn't send it to me. So are you? do you have a, an attorney currently? Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay, okay. So then ahead. on the last day that the lawsuit was going to be over, God sent me 
an attorney, and he came to my house, and he said, well, let's just go to Washington Parish and look through the file and just see where your case is. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure that if I didn't file anything by March, that it would be over, because that's what another attorney had told me. So we go up there, and he digs through the file, and he goes, oh, my God, I don't believe this. And I said, what? He said, today is the last day. If we don't file something today or do something, then your lawsuit is over. He said, do I have permission to join counsel? I said, yes, you do, and we shook on it. And he had a piece of paper, and she had to clock it in on her clock. So now the lawsuit's back in motion. This guy um, is just helping me out the best way he can, but he's a criminal defense attorney, so he's winging it on the civil part. So, um, <laughs> well, you God know, bless him, anyway. Yes. It's just with all the corruption here in this area, you can't find an attorney because if they take a case like mine, they would probably never be able to work in St. Tammany Parish again. Because That's encouraging. Yes. And so, you know, we, we've looked all over. I even out of the area to try to find an attorney with no luck at all. So I just have to hang with this guy that's willing to help me, and I'm going to have to help now, him too. <laughs> I'm studying civil law, so maybe I can help. You're going to be kind of a paralegal for him, huh? I've been doing everything thus far, so why not that, too? Absolutely. Uh, now, you say you you have some depots from the first lawyer. Uh, do you think this the new one here will be taking depositions or no? Um, probably not, because we have them all. Oh, you got everything you need? Well, Depot-wise, I mean. Dakota and Troy did not show up for their depots. Do you do you know, Donna, during the initial investigation, if if there was one or whatever they did, um, do you know if anyone was asked to submit to a polygraph, either the, the, the adults or the children or the kids? No, not at that time. Since then, have, have they been asked? Um... The DA, the new and improved DA, <laughs> told me that he performed one on Dakota and that he passed. Okay. But you know what? I don't believe anything made up inside of their clique. And I have uh, three of his, two of his testimonies, and neither one of them confer with the other one. And it's obvious that he was lying, so I just don't know how he would pass a lie detector test. But I have heard that he is a policeman now himself. Uh, would uh, I, I don't know what the cost would be. I'm just wondering if there's any way you could get your own polygrapher to to, uh, to examine him if he would... It, if he would consent to it, uh, just to see what a what an independent uh, polygraph would show. I'm sure he wouldn't agree to that. I I doubt he would. 
now you understand that he is now a police officer? Mm-hmm. Yep. Goodness. Well, yeah, I guess he'd be, what, 20, 21 by now. So, yeah, I suppose he could be. Yeah, I think he was um, the oldest one, so he's probably 22 or 23. Okay. And we said this was Dakota. Yes. How about Troy? You said Troy was about a year older, so he'd be, uh, he'd be what, 21 himself now? Uh, Brad will be 21 in June, so Troy will be 22, or is 22. Uh, is 22. Have, have you uh, had occasion at all to speak to the parents of any of these kids? Nope. Um, the little girl that lived there, her mom, I mean, that uh, the little girl that was in the room when Brett was shot, the one that I believe kin to the sheriff, her mother tried to contact me on Facebook, and um, I told her that my son was murdered, and she said, well, since you said that, then, um, you know, forget about it. So... You have a certain number of records that, yeah. uh, after after a little battle, you were able to win and uh, and obtain those. You got the depots that your uh, first attorney got for you. Yeah. You have a lawyer uh, working, doing what he can at this point on your uh, on your wrongful death suit. Uh, was what was the statute in um, in Louisiana? Uh, at that time, probably still is. What did you have? Two years to file, or three years? I think it's one year, but one we year. filed within that year. Now, when wh- at what point did you become dissatisfied with law enforcement's efforts? It, it, was it like an immediate thing, or did it take you a few months to to we realize? We were given it a number to call Washington Parish Sheriff's Office. And the deputy that came to my house gave it to me. He said, they're waiting on your call. I called that number all day long. They refused to talk to me until about 5.30 that afternoon. Then I finally get a return phone call from Washington Parish Sheriff's Office. And after that, it was too late. I was trying to get in touch with them at the time to tell them to take everybody's clothes and gunshot residue test everybody. I just had a feeling in my heart Troy shot Brett and he was going to switch clothes with Dakota in case there was any blood stippling or anything on us. I just knew, you know, I just knew. And they refused to... Gunshot. He told me everybody's already went home. You know, they they talked to me after the fact. Did, I'm I'm curious here as to um, the the police investigation. Now, do you, when you got the records, did that include all of the police reports? Yes. Okay. Yes, I have you, it all. And right now. Uh, it, it, with Brett's death certificate, is is the manner of death accident? Yes. A, a accidental self-inflicted. 
And then that's the other thing. We were given a death certificate, and it was Mm -hmm. never signed, dated, or told the cause of death or anything. And that's what we were given. That's what we sent to the insurance company to get his burial policy so we could bury him. I was talking to another friend of mine whose daughter was murdered, and she kind of got me curious about that death certificate. So my husband and I drove to New Orleans, and I went and picked up an official copy of his birth uh, death certificate, and it looks nothing like the one that we were given, and it was actually signed and dated and the coroner of Washington Parish said that Brett died on the 25th that afternoon and that he was with his body. That is bull. We were with Brett all on the 25th. Not one person was there but Brett's family. I begged them to come to the hospital, test my son for gunshot residue. So this coroner said that he was with my son's body on the 25th, and that's the day that he died. My son was not taken off life support until two days later when they took the organs. And did were you able to question anybody about that at this point? I'm, I'm just wondering how if, if there was an nope, explanation nobody given. Nobody talked to me. Could the could the coroner be deposed in the civil suit? Uh, that's what my attorney's working on right now. But it he, seems as though. My son was sent three hours away for an autopsy. Why would he be sent on the other side of Louisiana for an autopsy when we have all kinds of coroners and medical examiners right here? I'll tell you why. Because the coroner, medical examiner that they sent my son to, Victor White was also sent to him. And he said that Victor White shot himself in the chest while handcuffed behind his back in the back seat of a police car in New Iberia. You can look his story up, Victor White Jr. He was handcuffed behind his back in the back seat of a police car, and the coroner said that he was able to shoot himself in the chest after he had been searched previously over a, a joint. You know, I I would love to see some of these people, the authorities I'm talking about, uh, in a witness chair uh, to explain these, what appear to be discrepancies. I, I, I like to say it's, it's very hard to believe the conclusions when you hear I know, uh, I sound like a crazy mama, don't I? But I have evidence of everything. Uh, Have you ever been threatened or received any threats from the the authorities asking you to back off Um, or telling you to back off? They try little intimidation tactics, but I just laugh at them. Um, When I had a journalist in town doing a story and they knew that she was staying the night. They drove by and shined lights in through my plate glass window. And they kind of do that every now and then, but I just stand there and laugh at them because, um, you know, my child's dead. You can't intimidate me. Well, 
what are your next plans? Well, I don't want you to give anything away, you know, in the way of strategy, but uh, is there anything you can talk about that uh, that now that the uh, grand jury has declined to indict anyone, um, where do you go from here? Is the civil suit your only recourse? Do you have any other anything else in mind that you can do? Um, I need help. I have no help. What would you like to see happen? Would you like, to, would you like to see? Uh, obviously, you'd like some resolution. So you have a lot of concerns and things that you don't feel are right here, and you you, you believe your son was murdered execution style. Yes, I do. So uh, I'm sure you would like a the fair shot. The murderer put in prison. Number um, one, murderer put in prison. Is there another hearing or anything scheduled regarding the civil suit? Do you actually have any dates that you have to meet? Um, I think my attorney told me we had a court date toward the end of the year. End of the year. And so this this attorney is working pro bono because there, you said there's no money involved uh, right. in the, uh, in the right. deal. Well. You, when you said God sent you someone, I I got to agree with you. We're very fortunate to to get someone to keep this thing alive. Yes, least. because it was on the last day that the suit was going to go away, and guess what? That was the day of the eclipse. And the best part about it is when we went there, I opened the Bible just to read a little verse, and it was Isaiah sixty six four, and I feel God was telling me this, but the verse kind of goes like, and I called out to them and I told them what they were doing was wrong, but they would not listen and they would not see. So they did it anyway, knowing that it would displease me. So whatever their greatest fear is, that will be their punishment. And you know what? That's good enough for me. Because God knows everybody's heart, and he knows what their greatest fear is, and that is going to be their punishment. I can't get no better than that. Well, that your faith keeps you going, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have no fear. God told me I better fear him, that these are just mere men. I better be afraid of him. And I dropped to my knees and I said, you're right, God, I'm so sorry. And I have not been in fear since. You say you need help. You need, uh, you want additional legal help? Would that be the thing? uh, Yes. uh, To what, to replace the existing attorney? You want somebody that's familiar with civil? Yes, yeah. I want uh, Clay to stay on. Uh, We just need somebody that knows more about civil law and civil cases. Well, how much time do you have to find someone? You you say you think there's a court date toward the end of the year. So you. um, Well, now that we uh, clocked in, Mm -hmm. I think I'm good for another five years, but I could be mistaken. Um, and and you still want depositions though from Troy and Dakota, right? The, those yes, are the I two do. that didn't that didn't show up. Yeah. Um, 
was there any action taken against them for failing to appear? Do you know? No. No action at all. And who, who would have to enforce that? What the court would have to do something? Uh, I don't know. I don't have that attorney anymore. He dropped me. That would be interesting to know because these are these are probably the two main people you'd you'd like someone to get them on record. Yes. Especially with Dakota, you say you've seen um, statements that he has made, and, and there are some major discrepancies in those. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I imagine you'd like the opportunity through your through an attorney to 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 get those on record and uh, and pursue those uh, those aspects. Dakota and the little girl Jessica that was in the room were depositioned twice, and then my attorney depositioned Jessica for the third time. So I have three testimonies. She was a little okay. bit more open. Uh, when she talked to my attorney because time had passed and, you know. When you listen to the testimonies that Washington Parish Sheriff's Office gave, they were very, they had their kid gloves on and they're like, now, sweetie, you're not in any kind of trouble and we just want to get to the truth of what happened to Brett and, you know, they, and when they would uh, lie, the cop would just look over it and go right on to something else. He would just overlook it. They knew what they were doing. This ain't the first time they've covered up a murder in Washington Parish. The first black sheriff ever hired was murdered in an ambush, and his killer is yet to be found. Washington Parish is home of the Ku Klux Klan. That's what goes on there. The good old boy system. Did Did you ever hear of, a, of an outfit called the Dixie Mafia? Same difference, yep. Same thing. I, I yep. thought it sounded familiar, the description. Yep. Good old boys. Yep, that's um, what they are. So what I'm... Uh, going to ask you next is if you don't find another attorney if, if that doesn't work out are you just going to go ahead with the, the attorney you got even even though he lacks the uh, civil action experience that you'd like to see will he stay on with you through this if necessary yes okay god was so tugging on his heart too <laughs> How did he hear about? Uh, how did you said he showed up on the last day? How, how did how did he happen to get sent to you through uh, God? The journal- or yes, the journalist that was at my house was doing several mm-hmm. stories, and she was doing a story of another one of his clients. So I took her to New Orleans so she could talk to him and do that other story. And then I met him after the meeting because I didn't want to sit in and listen to somebody else's case. I didn't think that was right. So I just sat away. And then when they were done, then, you know, we all sat down, drank some coffee. I played the 911 call for him, and he was, like, blown away. And uh, he got my phone number, and 
he said something just kept tapping him on his shoulder and saying, call Donna Whitner, call Donna Whitner. So he did, and uh, he came over, and that's when we all went up to the courthouse and clocked in on the last day that the lawsuit was still open. And we clicked it back in, got it moving again. Uh, Donna, how can how can you be contacted? What's the best way you'd like to be contacted if anybody has any suggestions for you or, or some kind of help or they have questions for you? How can they re- best reach you? Uh, my cell phone number is 985-630-3425. And that's the best contact, uh, the yes. way you'd like to be contacted? Yeah, well, I, I, I usually have my cell phone with me. Also, uh, my home number is 985-871-1549. Okay, Delilah. Yes. This is a very now, tangled you, case again. Uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Well... You know, my condolences go out to you. It's a four, it's a fourteen-year-old boy, and I have a grandson that age. So it just tears at my heart to think that something like this can happen. Um, you know, and I commend you for taking taking action. I guess my my biggest question is all of this cover up that that's going on, and I I totally understand the corruption in in your area, and but where do you think the Dixie Mafia fits into all of this, within the cover-up of it? Just good old boys taking care of good old boys, you know, because he was a reserve deputy. Uh, we can't let nothing bad happen at his house. Gotcha, yeah. It seems to be, that that attitude seems very prevalent just about everywhere. Run into it a lot. So we're not going to gun test residue Brett. We're not going to gunshot test residue uh, Troy. We're not going to do anything that proves Brett did not shoot himself is what they did. They have no proof that he shot himself and they have no proof that he he didn't shoot himself. They did a lousy job. And I don't just consider it sloppy police work. I consider it corrupt police work. Uh, I, I would another learn. way to quickly close the case. Uh, the case yeah. is still open. Nobody will close the case. I've oh, done been two sheriffs and two DAs. Now, I will tell you this. The DA at the time that was uh, doing all the quashing and all that he was indicted on 18 of 19 counts he was facing 277 years and he was found guilty of 18 of the 19 counts now i think he's only facing five years and he's appealing that i bet he walks justice justice prevails huh uh, yeah, disgusting. right. Uh, anyway, just us thugs evading justice is what it is. 
you know, Delilah, let, let me. Uh, I'm going to take a crack at this first, and I'd like you to to voice your opinion of, of the discussion we've had here. The, what I would like to see, I'd like to see some just justification or somebody explain why Brett was taken all the way across the state to this other uh, medical examiner or coroner mm-hmm. who apparently has uh, rendered some questionable decisions in the past. I, I don't understand that if there are coroners and medical examiners in the immediate area. So I'd, like, I'd love to hear an explanation of why that occurred. Uh, and I, I'm sitting here trying to get a picture of someone holding a rifle in their back to the back of their head and having the arm length and so forth to pull the trigger at whatever angle it was. Uh, Maybe it can be done, but it just, it just seems to be to to me to be a very awkward uh, arrangement. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'd like to see somebody demonstrate it uh, or or explain it. Um, And I, I neglected to ask Donna this, but, they said it was an accidental self-inflicted gunshot wound. Well, I wonder what the explanation is. Why did Brett pick up that rifle? What what would have caused him to do that? Uh, you know, was he playing? I, I don't really understand what the explanation is, if there is one, for why he'd have taken and gone through the contortions he'd have had to go to to get in a position to have a long rifle uh, you know, in the back of his head. Um, uh, so those those are the things I'd like to have explained, Delilah. What, what do you think needs explanation? Well, I think, too, going back to motive, what, what motive would a 14-year-old boy who, you know, according to what we've been told, really has shown no, no signs of suicidal tendencies, he wasn't depressed, you know, he liked going with girls, um, where's the motive here for him to do something like that? I think, you know, the motive more or less goes the other direction when you have another kid who's who's mad at him for stealing his girlfriends. Okay. And, you know, to, yeah, to try and get into the head of a 14-year-old is, you know, it's, it's a messy place. <laughs> and It they, was the police, know, it was the police suggestion that Brett was shouldering the gun like you would in a ROTC drill. So, yeah, if I sling a rifle up and put it up on my shoulder, I can shoot myself in that spot, but the bullet's going to go straight up or behind me. It's not going to travel straight through my brain and lodge over in my left temple. Exactly. Um, I I hate to say this, but we're out of time. We're going to have to wrap it up right here. Donna, thanks a million for sharing uh, Brett's story with us. And I'd like you to, if you would, keep us posted if there are any new developments, and uh, we'll have you back on to to update. Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me a a place to be able to tell Brett's story and try to get me some help. I mean, all I want is justice for my son. The only people to suffer any consequences is Brett and his family. Brett got the death penalty, and we got a life sentence of grieving and loss. Well, let's hope 
you do get some resolution. You certainly deserve it. Uh, Our next broadcast will be on May 15th, and we'll discuss the mysterious death of Felicia Reeves. Please join us at that time. Thanks again, Donna. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.